You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. After the Capitol insurrection in January, the social media giants removed Donald Trump from their platforms. Mark Zuckerberg posting um, the dramatic move that they believe that the risks of allowing the president to continue to use the service are too great and they will be blocking the president um, on Facebook and Instagram indefinitely and at least for the next YouTube two is the latest media platform to block President Trump. Twitter run by CEO Jack Dorsey saying after close review of the president's recent tweets, it banned him due to the risk of further incitement of violence. And last week, we learned that the former president has filed class action lawsuits against these companies and their CEOs. Trump is accusing them of censoring users for their political viewpoints, arguing that Facebook, Google, and Twitter are violating the First Amendment. There's just one problem, though. They're not. Recode Shereen Ghaffari has been covering the saga, and she joins us today. Hi, Shereen. Hey, Adam. So we're journalists and we're pretty familiar with the First Amendment. It only protects people from government censorship. So companies like Facebook, Twitter and Google, they're not the government. So what's the thinking behind these lawsuits? So first, I'll just back up for a second and say that there is no systematic evidence that tech companies are out to censor conservatives. They have rules against things like hate speech or violent speech, and they enforce those rules and you know, people have alleged that maybe they're enforcing them more strictly for conservatives and others, but we just don't have proof for that. Now, if tech companies, let's just hypothetically say, let's say they were, we had proof and they they were discriminating against conservative people. Legally, they probably actually could do that because as a private company, they're not treated the same way that the government is under the First Amendment. They could ban all kinds of politicians if they wanted to legally. But now there's a bigger and I think more kind of moral argument or fairness argument that Trump is making here that tech companies like Facebook are so large and so powerful that their status is beyond that of a private company, that now they're kind of like a state actor, that you you have to use Facebook if you want to communicate day to day. And so therefore, they're exceptional. We shouldn't treat them like a normal company. But what Trump is kind of arguing for here is fundamentally, um, legal experts say, a a drastic kind of reinterpretation of how the Constitution works. And what are law experts saying about that argument? And they're just saying that it's likely not going to go anywhere, uh, that there's just been no prior examples of any kind of court in the U.S. finding that a private company has to you know, legally protect people's speech under the First Amendment. That protection just does not apply with private companies. What it means is that the government can't put you in jail or punish you or stop you from saying something. The government can't, but not that, again, a company like Facebook can't. So are there any rules governing what private companies can do in terms of free speech? And will Facebook, Google, and Twitter have to come up with some sort of legal defense if this ever makes it to court? 
there are rules governing technology companies. And there was something called Section 230 that basically grants tech companies immunity from being able to uh, be sued for, let's say, if I go comment on Facebook and I'm harassing someone, Section 230 prevents Facebook from being sued for that. Facebook's not responsible for what people say. Can you tell me a little bit more about how Section 230 works? I'm guessing you can't really say anything you want on these platforms. Right. Well, if I go and I directly threaten you, Adam, and I, you know, say I'm going to harm you on Facebook, I could certainly be held liable for that. But Facebook as a company cannot because of Section 230. Facebook would not be responsible um, because Section 230 basically says that the company, if if it makes a good faith effort to moderate comments, um, to kind of try to make sure that there's not harmful behavior happening on their platforms, that therefore, you know, they can't be sued by everyday people. So that's how Section 230 works. And essentially, without Section 230, it would be really, really hard for companies like Facebook and Twitter and Google to operate because they would be opening themselves up to all these lawsuits. Think about every day how many people say nasty, vile, mean, hateful, violent things to each other on the internet. So if the sort of foundation of this lawsuit is bogus, what's really going on? Why would Trump bother filing a bunch of lawsuits if they had no chance of succeeding? You know, the laws may say that this court case is a stretch or is even a joke, but the political reality is that a lot of people support Trump and a lot of people share his anxiety and anger around how much power social media companies have over what we can say or can't say online. So this is really a political and PR and fundraising, I think, strategy here for Trump. Already, we're seeing he's using this to kind of rile up his base to send out fundraising announcements and try to get people to donate to his pack. This is a way for him to be in the news and have it not be about the other issues he's facing right now. Like the other major legal case that he's involved with is around his organization's alleged tax fraud. So you can imagine if you're Trump, this is probably a much better headline for you about how you're trying to battle the powers of big tech than how you're facing potential uh, tax investigations. So this sounds like a big distraction, and that's a textbook Trump move. And if I recall correctly, he had some pretty distracting things that he did towards social media companies during his presidency. Do you remember those? Oh, do I remember? I was covering uh, a lot of them. So Trump would frequently do this. He would kind of uh, use tech as a bogeyman to try to blame them for larger political issues, even if the actions that he were taking were legally totally unenforceable or questionable. So he would, you know, issue executive orders, doing things like saying that um, Section 230, for example, should be reversed. But that's not how it works. You can't just issue an executive order doing that. And essentially, that didn't get executed at all. Or even things like his TikTok ban, if you remember, right? Um, largely was unenforceable. It was kind of murky. They, you know, essentially didn't end up happening, this TikTok ban. Um, so he he would do a lot of these different kind of bold actions to try to show that he's tough on tech, regardless of if they were practical. Well, we know Donald Trump likes money and we know he likes attention, but beyond the fundraising and the headlines... Is there a long game here for the former president? I mean, I think so. If you think about it, you know, again, so many Americans are deeply distrustful of big tech companies and of media and of government. 
And, you know, there was a poll done by Pew in 2020. It showed that some three quarters of Americans think that social media is intentionally censoring people for their political viewpoints. So even though there may be no proof of that, the reality is that all we have proof of is that these companies all have rules against things like hate speech or violent speech and that they enforce those rules. There's no proof that they're enforcing it purposely to harm Republicans over Democrats. But many people believe that. And Trump is tapping into that fear and that anxiety about it. And, you know, maybe maybe there is um, some validity to the, the feeling that liberals control the tech industry because if you do look at it, Silicon Valley is largely a liberal place, right? Most people who work for tech companies are, are if they're going to be registered for a party, it will be in the Democratic Party. So that's not to say that there's proof that they're applying that bias systematically in the products they build. But I think that Trump is tapping into something real here, which is a distrust among American people for uh, how these companies are are exerting their power over what we say online and how we communicate. And I could believe that Trump is mad at Facebook and Google and Twitter for kicking him off their platforms. But if he's so upset about this issue, why doesn't he just start a social media company of his own? Well, he says he's trying. Um, So far, the conservative efforts to start these quote-unquote free speech platforms that have barely any rules around what people can say and will allow um, all kinds of you know, content that Facebook and Twitter wouldn't. Those kinds of apps have just failed. I mean, we, we saw Parler um, tried to, to be the home of kind of Trump or the home of, of the new Trump movement. Definitely has a user base, but it's not kind of climbing at the same levels that we initially saw when it first came out. And Trump never joined. He reportedly didn't want to join because they didn't allow, uh, they, they weren't agreeing to kick everyone off who disagreed with Trump. Um, that's according to, to reporting. And because they didn't sort of give him the stake that he wanted in the company. Um, and then we saw just recently Trump's former advisor uh, start another app called Getter. And it sort of crashed and burned um, because all these Bad actors tried to exploit it. They started scraping user data. They started, you know, bombarding it with uh, horribly anti-Semitic, uh, racist, lewd, just overall trolling content. And so I think what we've seen is that it's actually really hard to just design a social media app that's pro-Trump and lets everyone say whatever they want. Because if you let everyone say whatever you want, a lot of humanity is actually really dark, really bad, and will exploit and hurt other people. So uh, to have a well-functioning social media app, you probably do need some safeguards. And uh, none of these apps have been able to really do that well. Well, on the note of humanity being really dark. (laughs) Not all of us, not all of us. Well, Shireen, thanks for joining us and for explaining all this to us. Thanks so much, Adam. Talk to you later. Today's episode was produced by Taylor Macon and engineered by Paul Bouncy. You can hear more Rico Daily wherever you get your podcasts and send your questions to ricodaily at rico.net. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.